and warm welcome back to this week's episode of Follow the Child, a podcast that was created by two early childhood educators currently in the season of motherhood. Follow the Child is dedicated to listeners interested in conscious parenting and recognizes our children as equal beings who are worthy of our love, time, and respect. Please keep in mind as you're listening in with us today that the information that we're sharing here is intended as generally enriching material only and is not meant to replace that of your doctors or other trusted healthcare professionals. That all in mind, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Shauna. How's it going? Good. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're just, we're recording right now after the big Thanksgiving weekend. And how are you doing with that? Are you like recovered or energized from the holiday? It was a new experience. Um, My mother-in-law and her husband, they recently moved to Reno. That's about a four hour drive away over the mountain pass from where we are now. It was just, you know, it was, it was a new experience and it snowed and that oh, was, that's fun. In theory, that's fun, but uh, <laughs> my kids and I are, um, you know, not very well adjusted to the very, very cold temperatures that we are experiencing there. Um, so it was just, it was a lot more time inside the house and you know how it is when you travel with the kids like this, it's just, they need you differently. Um, mm-hmm. than at home. So it was great to be with family. It was also really great to get home and see my kids so happy to be in their space again. Yeah, coming so. back to that familiarity after sort of shaking it up a bit with the travels. Yeah, tell us about your Thanksgiving because you you went big this year, right? Well, kind of. We had 17 people here. I mean, that includes children. So 17 people or bodies total in our home. And we, yeah, we hosted. I did not bake the turkey. I outsourced the turkey cooking to my father-in-law because he has like a big industrial level kitchen with a huge oven. And the turkey that he actually also found us the turkey because he lives in a village that's like an hour away from where we are in the Gdansk Sopot area. And there's just like, local organic farmers there raising turkeys so we took one of yeah it was great like totally locally sourced like the the bird was butchered for us that week freshly and you know it's funny because we've talked about this before in the podcast how when we use the word organic like a lot of times the food here because there is still like so many small farms and small level agriculture here it, it, they don't have the labels organic or like organic certifications, but they really are just organic by nature of how they do their process there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was this kind of a thing and it was wonderful. And so we felt good supporting them. We got the bird from them um, and it was a big bird, I think like 10 or 12 kilograms. So that's like times 2.2 for pounds. And it didn't, it would not have fit in our oven anyway. <laughs> So uh, long story short, the, my father-in-law prepared the bird and brought it over for us, which was wonderful. And, and of course, we had Machek's parents here um, as part of our guests. And then I cooked pretty much all of the side dishes. And so it was, it was nice. It was kind of intensive the days leading up to it, to be honest. You know, when you're trying to like mass produce food with a toddler present who, of course, Gucho's at the age where he loves to be in the kitchen and helping me, which normally is wonderful. And I'm welcoming it and encouraging that when I have the time to slow down and do things at his pace. But um, because I chose to take on this project of hosting, I, I got to the point where I had to do some things during his nap, which I don't really like. I always try to include him. But, you know, this was sort of that like one or two times of the year where I just sort of had to get a lot of stuff done while he was sleeping. And then I included him where I could in the pie making. And yeah, the, the event was a success. People came, people ate a lot of food. We had good family and friends time together for a few hours with like, I think there's like four or five little toddlers and babies here running and crawling around. <laughs> so it was so great. Fun. It yeah. was so fun. Yeah, they really loved Gucho's play space. Gucho loved having them here and showing them all his stuff. And like, it was just like fun, fun chaos, like really fun to watch and be a part of. So it was good. It was a good holiday. I think we'll do it again here next year. Were most of the guests expats? Well, one of our friends, couple is American also. Actually, it's the pastor and his wife from our church. And um, they're American. They're from Texas and Nebraska, respectively. And so they've been living in Poland already for like 12 years, I think. Um, 
and they came and they brought a couple dishes, but then all of my family members who are Polish are, are local. And then, um, actually, no, there weren't any other expats to answer your question. And then I had some friends that were here as well, um, who we just know in the area who are Polish. But everybody, luckily, who is here speaks English. So luckily for me, because it just makes things a little bit easier for me. Um, right. Yeah. I yeah. understand that, managing the flow of everything. And Yeah. Well, very well done. That's a really big undertaking with a two-year-old. It, it certainly was. Um, but I'm, ha I'm happy with how it, it all went down. I didn't, like, feel that I overstressed Gucho that week or anything. I just kind of... Yeah, the only regret I have is I had to kind of do some stuff behind the scenes, which I usually try not to do. I usually try to include him in everything. But yeah, just a couple times a year, sometimes you got to um, have some fast productivity. And then I included him where I could. And it was nice. Yeah, I included my daughter in the pie making. And that was very sweet and special. But it also took so much longer. Yes, that's the reality of it. And there's, there's a bigger cleanup process, of course. Yes. And, <laughs> and yeah, you know, everything, all the stuff with toddlers. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was actually an extra egg white added to the dough um, that was supposed to be like set aside for brushing it, you know? Oh, yeah. So That's I basically, yeah, I had to make more of the, like the dry ingredient mix to like, mm. I just had to keep on adding it in. Um, mm -hmm. to get the consistency right. I was like, I don't know how this can turn out. And then amazingly it did. So <laughs> that was awesome. Good. Awesome. So it's funny that we're just wrapping up this big holiday because it's like then next thing you know, Christmas or winter holidays, whatever you choose to celebrate is just literally around the corner. They're so close together. I feel, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I mean, it's so funny how your time as a child I felt like oh I'm waiting so long for the holidays and now it's like ah they're too close together and so Shauna and I were talking that we wanted to do a recording which we're doing today about the story of Santa Claus and the role of Saint Nicholas in the holidays in our homes in school traditions what have you and how there's different approaches to the story of Santa Claus or Saint Nicholas um, and how and we're going to share a bit uh, about how we both uh, choose to approach that because we have actually uh, differing approaches. I think we overlap and share a lot of the same uh, values behind our two approaches. Um, but then we have some aspects that we do differently. So we're going to share both and have a little chat about that for our listeners today. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's really great that we're modeling having different perspectives. Also, I think that a lot of it has to do with the context, the culture that our kids are growing up in and how that might, you know, affect our intentionality with, with the holiday and what, you know, what we choose to say and do. And I guess I think it's also good to start by saying that there's a couple different layers wrapped up in the question of whether we encourage our kids to believe in Santa or not. And mm we'll talk about this, but we don't, I've decided that we're not going to um, talk about Santa as if he is a real person. Um, mm. And, and so we'll get into that, but there's, two, there's a couple layers wrapped up in that. There's the pretend element, you know, the mythical person. And then there's the element that's rooted in religion and our family, like what history stories we, we believe in. And so, um, yeah, it's good to open this dialogue in the spirit of allowing for multiple beliefs to coexist, because I think that that's an important shift. Like if some people, if somebody is listening to this, they might hear right away that I'm not allowing for a belief, you know, by like saying we're not going to do the Santa lie that could feel threatening to someone else's belief system. Mm. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. I think the way that we phrase our approaches can feel sharp for others, but also like you're saying, it's certainly we're going to have a dialogue back and forth here. And also we're each entitled to our own approach and that's, that's your approach. That's your belief system. And you're, you're certainly entitled to that. And it just, because you feel that way, I think 
it, it certainly doesn't mean that, that you um, like judge others if they choose to approach it in a different way or that you have like bad feelings about that. I think that's not at all what we go for here on this podcast. It's um, we try to emphasize an inclusive discussion here about varying parenting approaches. Do you think so? Yes. And, and I think the holiday season in particular is a great opportunity to examine this concept of differing perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As a teacher, I loved reading books like there's one called Too Many Tamales. That was always a great opener to a discussion about children's family celebrations, you know, whatever holiday they celebrated. And it often led to discussing other beliefs this time of year. And the tone that I took as a teacher and the tone that I want to model for my own children is that we can have different beliefs. You can believe what you want to believe. I guess I also want to say that the last thing I would want to do is create a scenario where a child tells another child that what they believe in is not real. And I don't know if you ever experienced that in the classroom, because like sometimes I taught slightly older children, you know, like K through two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely goes on, you know, like, oh, tooth fairy is not real or, you know, whatever. And for, for us, like we, we certainly want to make sure to preserve the sense of holiday magic that Christmas has. But for me, that's the spirit of giving and of creating and of being aligned with nature and reflecting on the passing of the seasons, um, what nature gives us. Um, and I guess that's how we live our lives the entire year. We want to set our kids up for continuing to feel a sense of magic and a sense of well-being in their world. So for us, this was a starting point, um, and uh, we just decided we wouldn't create the lie of Santa Claus is real um, and that he's not the source of presence under our tree. So the way that I do that with, with the way I plan on doing that with my kids and still allow for the fact that other friends, other friends will have different beliefs is I just say, you know, it's sometimes fun for people to put Santa down as a gift giver, and that's okay. Because we do, we end up with presents under our tree that say Santa on them. And I, I'm i just real open about the fact that the gifts come from our family and friends. They're real people who we can thank and reciprocate. And like I said, we, we will always say that some people pretend that Santa brings the gifts and some kids really believe that Santa exists and that's okay too. So um, I guess the other layer to that that I really want to make sure to clarify is that I do strongly believe in honoring young children's love of pretend and imagination. And, you know, we talk about fairies all the time. We pretended that a fairy witch named Witch Maru came and took the Halloween candy. Um, there's going to be so many lovely experiences in which I actively support and even feed into a made up story. Um, and I am also open to the possibility that my daughters will decide to make believe about Santa. It's not something I plan on shutting down. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So and why do you think it is that you specifically with the Santa topic, because it sounds like you do a lot of imagination and fantasy in your children's life and in your home environment, but why, why do you think on this particular topic you chose to sort of take a more, a more direct and honest approach? Okay, so one of the reasons, and I'll, there's many, so I'll go into them. Um, one of the reasons is that um, it's a lie to say that Santa is real and children will later figure out that it's fake. And when they do, they might feel betrayed or disillusioned. And then that so-called magic of the holiday season, if it's rooted in that lie of Santa Claus, then that magic is taken away, I worry. So I'd rather it exist in real acts and real family choices. You know, personally, I remember when a family member broke the news to me, my sister, and um, presented it pretty abruptly, like, you know, Santa's not real, right? And I think the family member maybe was tired of it and wanted the credit for giving the gifts. I don't know. Um, But they said something like, we were too old to still believe that. And I just remember feeling so confused, like somehow I had done something wrong, but that was, I mean, I was, as a kid, I was kind of, you know, very into pleasing others and being a perfectionist. Um, And so my line of thought at that moment was like, well, I believed it because you told me that and I'm supposed to believe what you say. 
and now you're saying I shouldn't believe you anymore. And my sister in particular took it really, really hard too. So I'm sure that in many families, the conversation about whether Santa's real or not goes a lot more smoothly than that. I'm just saying that for some kids, not just for my sister, I've heard about this from others too, that the finding out that Santa is fake can be really devastating and rock their world and put into question the concept of who and what they can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to leave that to chance, you know, in all stages with my kids, I want to be connected. I want to be trustworthy. I want to model integrity. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. The other reason is that um, it's too commercial. I feel like it's focused on what you're getting rather than what you give. And I would rather the focus to be on who gave us the things, who will we give to, and um, we want there to be a real element involved in giving. Does that make sense? Yeah, like an understanding of the source and the good intentions of the person behind that gift. Right, right. Like when I, yeah, I think when I hear and see this story of Santa and how it plays out here, it just feels so much more about um, what do you want and this mythical person gives it to you rather than it about being about like, you know, in this season we give and this is why. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for us, I'm like I said, I'm sure there's lots of ways of doing it. But for me, um, I kind of wanted to take take that part out so that I can focus on the other part. And then the thing that, okay, so the thing that really bugs me about the Santa lie is that we, in our family, we do not use the labels good or bad to describe behavioral choices. So mm-hmm. the the whole narrative around, like, if you're good, Santa will come and give you something, or, you know, the elf on the shelf will report back to Santa. It just does not sit with our values because we value learning and making mistakes is part of learning and reconnecting and repairing when something goes wrong. There's just no place for this idea that if they are good, they will get lots of presents. Shauna, wait a second. I am totally not familiar with Elf on the Shelf. I mean, I've seen this via social media of of our friends in the States, but could you just give like a really brief couple sentence explanation of what Elf on the Shelf is for any international listeners? Yes, absolutely. Elf on the Shelf is a little doll you can buy. It comes with a book. The story is that the elf, you know, so the elf sits somewhere in your house in plain sight and he watches your children or she, I guess there is like a girl version too, watches your children and will report back to Santa if they're good or bad. And then in some families, there's this other element of setting up scenes with the elf. Like, um, you know, the kids wake up in the morning and the elf is somewhere else doing you know getting into something does that make sense so basically they're monitoring if the children are being quote-unquote good or bad yeah okay okay thanks for sharing that I didn't really know what it was about and my my first perception just based on what you said isn't uh, is that I probably wouldn't be a fan of this but okay okay that's new for me thank you mm-hmm mm-hmm So, you know, like I said, in our family, I would never want to create a system, even if it's temporary, that a child earns rewards for behavior they should just be expected to do anyway. Right. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah. And from a social justice perspective, this concept is pretty flawed, too. Santa gives gifts to those who are good. The child whose family cannot give them as much as their classmate, it's not because they are less good than the kid who got a bunch of gifts. Right. I'm just, I'm so tired of this idea of morality tied to affluence. And for me, the Santa lie is totally wrapped up in that. We tend to idolize celebrities and the rich and famous as if they're somehow better and smarter and stronger than the poor. And it's simply not true. They simply have more money. In most cases, they were born into it. Poor people are not lazy or bad. And I do think that the Santa lie perpetuates that stereotype. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can kind of see how how you tie those two together. Okay, and lastly, it's just too patriarchal for my liking. Both Santa and the Christian stories in the Bible conveniently leave the women out or put them in lesser roles of importance. Um, And Mm -hmm. in many contemporary families, the breadwinner is the wife. 
And yet here we have Father Christmas providing for us. And interestingly, something I'm just beginning to learn is that most of the holiday traditions, most of the Christmas traditions are rooted in pagan traditions. That includes Santa Claus and kissing under the mistletoe. Christmas Eve previously was called Mother's Night in medieval times, gathering around the tree. These all have roots in paganism and involve a more like female character or goddesses involved in them. Mm -hmm. So for instance, the tradition of celebrating the hearth, um, you know, the idea of like Santa coming down the chimney, that comes from the goddess Hestia, whose name means hearth. Um, while families used to wait for the goddess Hertha to descend through the chimney bearing her gifts. And that was long before there was a Santa Claus. So um, there, I, I'm, I'm really interested in learning a lot more about this because this is new to me. A friend of mine mentioned it and I started doing research. So it's just, it's kind of like, how do we open this up? I guess this is my whole thing. It's like, how do we open this up to... You know, it's okay to include Santa, and it definitely has its place. And I know you're going to go into that, which is awesome. For me, like, the lie of, like, him being a real person just doesn't jive for me with, with what I'd like to, you know, the intentions I'd like to set for our family with this time of year. Okay, Shauna, thanks so much for sharing all of that and the whys behind your approach for rather not doing the, the Santa lie, as you put it. Um, a lot of what you explained, really, it makes sense for me. And it's a compelling argument. So thanks for that. Yeah. And um, you wanted to go into the way that you've been experiencing Christmas um, in the European context. And do you want to go into the story of St. Nicholas? Yeah, sure. I do. Totally. Um, and actually, St. Nicholas Day is approaching. It's on the 6th of December. And before I came over to Europe, I had no idea what St. Nicholas Day was. And it's a strong tradition here in Europe um, that basically recognizes a third century saint who actually then went on to become the inspiration for a modern day Santa Claus. But St. Nicholas was a person who was known for um, doing like great acts of charity. Like he was um, recorded as selling a lot of his possessions and giving money to the poor and helping and serving the, the sick and the suffering people around him. So the, the legend of this figure, St. Nicholas, um, became sort of the, the inspiration in a lot of ways for the modern day S Santa Claus. And his death, which was marked on December 6th, it, it now continues to be celebrated um, in, I think, most all European countries um, via giving a, usually just like one or a couple of small kind of symbolic gifts to children. In a lot of homes, people will put a shoe either in front of the hearth or the fireplace or outside of the door, kind of, well, the children mostly will do this, uh, representing the, they're waiting for this like act of charity or donation from St. Nicholas. And that's to do with the history of, of course, when people were living in much poorer conditions, they we're trying to dry the shoes by the fire. And it's told as a part of the, the fable of, of St. Nicholas that, um, that he left uh, like even pieces of gold inside of people's shoes. And so that's kind of like how that tradition started. And then from there, the tradition of stockings, stockings by the fireplace grew out of that. And that I know is what is so popular in the States at this point on actual Christmas Eve and Christmas day. My toddler just woke up, so I'm gonna take him. <laughs> Hi, Guchal. Let me take you. Come here. Okay. Yes, I've, I've heard of the tradition of putting things in the children's shoes as a way to remember St. Nicholas Day. Did you want to tell us anything else about about St. Nick? Um, yeah, so basically, I just wanted to share that because I was surprised by this approach to the holiday. Um, and I think that for children... Sorry, my, my toddler woke up and he's um, a little bit sick right now. So you could, might hear him coughing in the background, but we're trying to work through it. Um, but I wanted to share that because uh, I think that it's an interesting story that shares with children um, the idea of, of generosity, of charity and giving. And it kind of brings more awareness that that particular version of the story of Santa Claus, I think, brings more awareness to, to younger children. 
about the idea of the spirit of giving in the season and not so much of a focus on, you know, commercialism and getting, but rather um, just charity, the spirit of charity. So I really like that. I feel like it also, because there's this earlier event in the month, I feel like in modern time now, it kind of takes the pressure a little bit off of the whole Christmas day because there's already sort of like this earlier event in the month and there is marketing and consumerism and commercialism here certainly surrounding the holidays but I really feel like it's not to the same kind of extent that I remember in the states like so as I recall from my time in the states that there is like such like a heavy consumerism and commercialism around the Christmas season like even stuff starts showing up in shops and advertisements start rolling out even after Halloween, like before Thanksgiving has even come and gone. And I mean, it's still like that, right? Do you feel like that's the case or am I exaggerating my memory? No, that's, I think that's correct. Okay. It, you know, it's not so aggressively marketed here, I think is a main difference that I feel in like the atmosphere of when you're like out and about in town or in some shops. I just don't get that sense that there's like a Christmas campaign, whereas I, I really felt that way back home. So anyway, I don't know if the story of St. Nicholas, as it is here in Europe, has a positive effect in that way. I kind of feel like it does a bit. Um, I feel like there's more of a conversation within family atmospheres about the approach of of charity and well-doing around the holidays. For example, our family this year decided that instead of exchanging gifts amongst adults within my husband's family, we're combining resources to donate a refrigerator to a family in need that is close by. It's a mother with with a single mother with, with three young children. And there's a, a website through which you can link up with a family that's truly in need and donate some really like needed items like yeah like something to keep your food cold like a refrigerator this is just necessary basic human need so we're doing that and while we're still going to be doing gift giving for my son Gucho who's two years old I'm happy that we're going to be modeling that behavior of trying to to give back to others so of course at this age, at this young, young age, it's it's probably a little bit missed on him. But I hope that through the years, if, if we do carry this tradition repeatedly, I, I hope that he'll be observing that and sort of pondering that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's really great. I do think that he gets a lot out of you guys modeling that, even from this young age. So the gifts that he gets on St. Nicholas Day, are they from St. Nicholas? So basically, I just have never said it as such. Like, of course, last year, he was just one year old. This year, I don't think I'm going to say it's from St. Nicholas. I'm just going to say this is St. Nicholas Day. This is the story of St. Nicholas. And you have a gift on this day. And if okay. he asks, if he is to ask me who it is from, I'm not going to lie at that point. If, if at any point, Gucci wants to ask me where a gift came from, I will tell him that it's from us. I've already decided that. So in that way, okay. I'm, I'm, al- I'm also working against the, the quote-unquote lie. It, yeah, I, I just can't not tell my son the truth if, if he point-blank asks me the question. I, I will tell him. Um, okay, Christmas Day. Yeah, and on Christmas Day, the same. However, he is seeing the figure of Santa Claus all around at this point. He, know- he realizes that we you know, decorated the home in the last <laughs> weekend that that something seasonal is happening. I think he certainly catches the Christmas vibe and he recognizes this picture of Santa Claus as a, as a character. Like he recognizes this now. So he's talking about Santa, but he doesn't have this association that Santa is where a bunch of toys are going to come from. We've never told that story. I don't think I'm going to tell that story. (laughs) It's funny because actually we were walking in our village today and a, a man dressed as Santa Claus walked up to us and started asking me like, does he want to have a picture with me? Does he want to have a picture with me uh, in Polish? And Gucho was clearly not interested <laughs> in this, you know, of course, like so classic. You know, a lot of times young children don't want to sit on a stranger's lap. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oh, that's, parents that's, that's are, like. Parents are totally aware of that. And they joke about like the kids discomfort in the photos. And yeah, yeah. I, I personally I don't, don't like it. that. I don't I yeah. don't like that, um, at least for my own child, just because from being from having been a teacher, and I think you can relate to this also, 
I really feel like a strong need to protect my child's bodily autonomy. Yes. Um, and I think you can totally relate and probably a lot of parents can relate. Even I think even parents who had good intentions, maybe who didn't realize about this when they just wanted to go and have that quick photo with St. Nick and then realized like, whoa, that really scared my child. I think parents really wake up to that for the most part that we need to continue to honor our children's bodily autonomy, even during the holidays. That doesn't just go for Santa's lap. I think that also goes for relatives kind of forcing hugs and kisses on the kids. This approach that like, oh, you know, if if you're nice, you know, like your grandma loves you, you have to kiss her or whatever. That's just an example. But you know what I mean? It's like people that they might not be familiar with um, in the same way that they are with their parents, of course. This sudden like sensorial overload of all these people you have to suddenly act very close with. I'm not into that personally. I think that's too much. That's overriding their bodily autonomy. And I, I'm pretty fiercely protecting that at this point. That was kind of right. a segue from what we were what we were going into today. But I think it's it's really relevant to the conversation. What do you think? It is relevant in the context of respecting the child and what they're going to be comfortable with and back to Santa Claus as a figure that they're supposed to just cozy up to. So it sounds like, Wendy, we're actually pretty well aligned with our <laughs> we approach are, to Santa. I think, actually, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we are. I'm, I'm basically, I'm neither like, no, it's not that I'm neither confirming or denying because yes, if I as I said, if he asks me clearly, did my present come from Santa? I'm going to tell him the truth. If he wants to, I don't know, delight in pictures of Santa Claus at the shop or point out a man dressed as Santa Claus and that makes him feel happy. I'm, I'm not going to jump in and correct anything about that. But if he asks me, is that man really Santa? I'm probably going to say, no, this is a person who's in a Santa costume. Does that make sense? So uh, yeah, yes, it yeah. totally makes sense because. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are doing the same. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not jumping in there saying this is not true. This is not true. But if he asks me, I'm also not going to withhold the truth. Yeah. I mean, I'm just not, I mean, I'm basically just <laughs> being very open about the fact that it's a story character and that it's just one story of this season um, and it's great for children, I think, to know the representation of the actual person, St. Nicholas, who sacrificed his life for others. And I do think he often gets lost in the the lie of creating the perfect Christmas experience, um, complete with a Santa's real kind of thing. Like, there's a lot that could actually be real in this season of magic, you know, in terms of how we treat each other and the kindness and the giving. And I do think, like, as you say, there's an origin story here, but I do also want to challenge us to think further back in history and be more inclusively because the, Chris, the Christmas traditions, again, they're actually pagan. So they came before Christianity. Christianity blended in a lot of those pagan traditions so that they could, you know, they could get more Christians. And also because it is lovely. And I do think that it's universal. You know, I find it fascinating that during midwinter, there's a lot of celebrations and gatherings that involve some sort of element of light. You know, I think there's, you know, and here's another example, like I'm sure St. Nick did his good deeds throughout the year, but why did we choose December as the time to emulate him? You know, and I am in my head, you know, going into this topic, I'm imagining our origins as hunter-gatherers and what that would have been like to struggle and survive in the middle of winter, you know, and the need to gather together to light a really big log and keep it burning all night, you know, to reflect mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. hope for the spring and what's going to come in the next season. Like there's a real element there of struggle and need for resilience during the darkness and the cold of winter. And I'm sure there's like, you know, there really is a need in this present life and in that past, you know, life of taking care of the weak. I think that's why the spirit of giving is attached to this particular season. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that was a really wonderful summary. So I just think that this is a, this season is a really great opportunity to, you know, we can welcome the concept of Santa Claus and, and that he represents one story. And I am so excited. Like as the kids get older, it's, it's going to be really fun to dive into these layers of history and the origins of this time. Um, and, of all the different holiday traditions and, you know, kind of look for those similarities and differences. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you just shared there, Shauna, it really ties in well to the concept of Advent, which is um, celebrated, you know, in, as you said, with, with many different cultures as kind of like the coming of light. It's particularly in the Waldorf community, I think I'm really starting to love this approach the more I sort of like research and grapple with like, how do I want to approach and educate my child on these not difficult, but controversial topics? And I find myself more and more drawn to the Waldorf approach. Is it it okay if I share a little bit about how they approach the season of Advent? Yes, I would love to learn more about Advent from you. So please share. Okay. And I'm a newbie, a total newbie at this. Like just within the last year, I've started to kind of like wake up to my newfound love and obsession with the Waldorf approach, because um, for anyone who doesn't know, or is a first time listener, I'm a trained Montessorian. That was, I worked in Montessori classrooms. However, um, as a parent, I'm really finding that I'm inspired increasingly by the Waldorf approach to many parts of the year of the seasons as an answer to, um, the holiday topics, just life in general with the child, I'm finding very that I'm very, very drawn to and inspired by the Waldorf approach. So that aside, uh, the term Advent is a Latin word for that which is coming. So this is a time of preparation. Um, it's the time when we're waiting in the dark, which, gosh, I really feel <laughs> that's such a true statement for me right now because it's dark here at 3 p.m. every day. Um, ah. So waiting in the dark, really, oh it's really the, the sun sets at 3 p.m. It's intense. Oof, wow. We're far north. Um, so you're, you're waiting in the dark for the return of the light um, at the winter solstice and the birth of the sun and the sun S-U-N and the sun S-O-N at Christmas time. So kind of a dual meaning and understanding there. And we celebrate, they say that we celebrate Advent as a four week festival leading up to solstice and Christmas. During this time, we deepen our relationship with the world around us by recognizing and celebrating the strength and beauty of all four kingdoms of the natural world. So during the first week, they will pay tribute to the mineral world. So like stones, minerals, um, sand, shells. During the second week, they focus on the plant kingdom. Uh, on the third week, week, they acknowledge and celebrate the animal kingdom. And on the fourth and final week, we speak to the human being. And as they pass these weeks, they're hoping that through this kind of like educational process of focusing in on each kingdom, the family and the children come to a deeper understanding and appreciation of, of how the, the different species coexist and uh, a deeper realization of our place in the universe as humans and all of those things which are supporting us and all that we aspire to. So it's, there's a lot of deep meaning that can be taken there. And like I was saying, I'm totally new at this, and I'm probably kind of fumbling through the explanation here with the help of um, some other people's words um, that I was inspired by. I'm going to attempt to set up a Advent table at our home <laughs> for the first time this year. And so we're going to be lighting the first candle now. It should have been lit on Sunday to represent the mineral world. And we'll put some seashells and stones on the table to represent that. A really wonderful poem that was written by Rudolf Steiner about Advent and the four kingdoms that we just described. Can I share it with you? Yes. Okay. I think it's just really lovely. It says, the first light of Advent is the light of stones, stones that live in crystals, seashells, and bones. The second light of Advent is the light of plants, roots, stem, leaf, flower, and fruit by whom we live and grow. The third light of Advent is the light of beasts, animals of farm, field, forest, air, and sea. All await the birth in the greatest and in the least. The fourth light of Advent is the light of humankind, the light of love, the light of thought to give and to understand. So each week we're taking one stanza from this poem and lighting one of the candles. And when we finish... With Advent, we blow out the candles in the reverse order from how they were lit. And I think that's so chilling to me because it really, I think, speaks to kind of like the evolution of our planet and as well to how the, on kind of a grim side, how the planet could eventually go extinct in terms of human species, animal species, plants, and minerals. So it's oh, it's wow. a really, yeah, it's a really wonderful in-depth look at how at coexistence and of the coming of light and how we're all interdependent. I, I really want to incorporate this more. 
I'm totally new and awkward at it, but I think I'm, I'm excited to learn more about the Waldorf approach for sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I also really, really like the Waldorf approach. As you know, my daughter is going to a Waldorf inspired program. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very respectful to the development of children and it is very rooted in nature and in alignment with nature. And I really, really love that. And I love learning about Advent in this tradition. And I think I'm going to jump in this year too. Um, and Do it. I, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you're saying that you're new to it and that you're learning as you go. And I feel that we too will refine and shift our traditions as we go. Cause I have a, a vision of what quality I want the season to have. Um, but it's still like all things in parenting, it's going to take some trial and error, you know, like right now, one new shift that needs to be thought about is Hazel's birthday coming up. Um, and it's right in the middle of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm, um, that's right. You know, and like the winter babies, you know, they talk about how their birthday gets lost in the shuffle of the holiday season. And, you know, nobody really wants to do that to their kids. So for me, it's about intentionality as a guidepost um, and trying to figure out, you know, okay, so now this is happening. Um, how does this fit in? Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely another thing you've got in there to to make space for and celebrate, but also not to overwhelm the family with. Yeah, and still make sure this is a special time for her. Yeah, absolutely. It's her first birthday. I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> how do you feel about that? In total denial, but also I'm excited because I think the year between age one and age two is so magical. And I'm just super excited to, you know, watch her personality, her identity unfold um, and the words and all that. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about what's to come. Yeah, I agree. I really loved between one and two. So much happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, Shauna, I think, did we cover the meat of this topic? Yes, we did. I just want to say I think it's really, really wonderful that your family has come together in making this really intentional decision to support a family that's in need. Um, oh, that's, thanks. Yeah, that's really great. I think, you know, a lot of families come together and say like, oh, let's do like in my family, we do a gift exchange and everybody draws one name. Um, and there's, you know, a minimum or a maximum of you can spend stuff like that. But this yeah, is, yeah. this is different. This is a little different. And I think it's really, it's just really great that you guys are coming together that way. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to think about how to do this because, you know, I, I, I will, I guess, kind of toot my own horn that I think throughout the year, Madeline, my daughter, my three-year-old, she has seen me give to others, um, in small ways, like, I give, I've given pumped breast milk to mothers that have needed it or, you oh. know, clothes or baby items. And she helped me drop off the diapers when I donated those for the evacuees during the most recent fire. Mm. Um, and I think like you're saying, it's especially important in this gifting season that she sees this and it's not just about what she gets. Um, right. so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how to get the extended family on board too. And we have a tradition of handmade gifts. Um, which we did not do at all last year because we were just like, you know, I just gave birth and all that. Yes. Um, yes. So I'm excited to, to make things and get crafty with my three-year-old. And then you mentioned that last year your husband set a limit for how many gifts Gucho received on Christmas. Is that continuing this year? Yes, it continues. <laughs> um and, and I'm, you know, at first I was frustrated with it, but I think I've made my peace with it. We're do, so we're doing one gift for this St. Nicholas Day, which is coming in two days. And then as well, we're doing one on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is actually the big day of celebration here in Poland. And then one on Christmas Day to sort of acknowledge that this is the traditionally the, the day that feels closest to my heart, um, having grown up in America. So mm -hmm. in total throughout the, the month, he will get three gifts. Um, and we also set a limit that his grandparents can only give one gift. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, in my opinion, it's still plenty. And 
I went back and forth last year. I felt like it was too limiting and I felt uncomfortable with it, but I really examined that over the last year. Like, what is that about for me that I felt uncomfortable with it? And I started to realize that that's a lot more about maybe some of my own insecurities from my own childhood of feeling um, like I, like I uh, missed out in some ways on some things in my childhood. And so really wanting to kind of like give like this spectacular holiday season for my son, you know, a lot changes when you have a child and I've done a lot of like self growth in that department and just kind of come to realize like, I, I don't need to pass that on to him. The sense that like security comes out of getting or having things. It's as we just talked about for the last hour, it's the season is about so much more in terms of the spirit of charity for others, awareness of our coexistence with other beings, you know, the coming of lights, all this stuff. So long story short, I've, I've made my peace with the, the more minimal gift giving. And, and I feel like it's, it's what works for us. And how about you guys? Do you do a limit on gift giving or? Uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Wendy. That was really beautifully said. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. It's really special when you share your growth areas with us. I, I really admire that and appreciate that. Oh, thanks. I'm happy. I, I think that, you know, first of all, I don't want to spend all of Christmas Day watching my kids unwrap things. And there is this quality, there's, it becomes this um, on to the next thing, what's next, um, rather than spending time on the thing that you just opened. Um, right. And also, I feel like it's much more challenging to take care of what we have when there's a lot of it. Uh, so, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do want to limit it. Um, I want to be explicit about that. And also, like I said, I, I don't want to spend all day um, unwrapping things. Uh, before we had kids, we would typically go on a hike or go to the beach, um, you know, at some point during Christmas. I, I think I want to continue that with the kids, you know, being out in nature. Um, oh, yeah. And I guess wrapped up in that is um, when we stay here in the Bay Area, we we try to go crabbing and um, get crabs for our Christmas dinner. Oh, what a nice tradition. I love that. And I love crab meat. Yum. Oh, I know. It's so yummy. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I do need to be explicit about that with family just to make sure that that's that intention is set, um, you know, because there's a lot of grandparents and it adds up. Yeah, it certainly does. And as with all things with parenting, some some little boundaries here and there are they go a long way. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I'm feeling like this sufficiently is covered. Um, I guess, you know, just one thing that I think I want to really make clear is that I do really honor children's imagination. And it is really, really special for them to, to see how they believe in things that are not real. And at this stage in their lives, that line between fantasy and reality is so blurred. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm shutting down the idea that Santa, you know, of this, the Santa thing, it's more, you know, I, I really do want to preserve and nurture my child's imagination, but thinking ahead in terms of keeping up this lie about where the presents come from, I just, I don't want to do that. Um, so I think, you know, I think we covered it. I just, I, for whatever reason, I felt like saying that again. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It's, it can be a sensitive topic for a lot of people. Um, like, as I just shared, you know, like, d depending on how your own childhood was, people can have needs unmet that they then want to kind of see fulfilled via their their own families and young children. So I can see how there could be sensitivities there um, among some people. But so I think it's it's good that you share that again at the end. And as always, we're, we're trying to focus this podcast on being an inclusive discussion. So I, I think in our recording today that we kind of covered different angles of this and shared a bit about why we're leaning. I think it kind of sounds like we're both leaning more on the the side of um, preserving honesty with our children. Um, however, at the same time, trying to walk the delicate balance of honoring this time of imagination and fantasy in their lives. So it's it's like a, a narrow line to walk, I think. Yeah. And the, and, you know, acknowledgement of the culture that they're in. I mean, 
the other thing that I can add here is that Madeline really, really wanted Santa to be at her third birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, she, she, she understands who Santa is and she's really into the idea. (laughs) Wow. That's so interesting to me. So (laughs) does she understand that, does she have a vision right now that Santa is somebody who she gets gifts from or what is her current take on the person or the figure Santa? I think that, yeah, there were a couple of books um, hanging around, lingering beyond Christmas time um, that she kept coming back to. And um, they were based on songs of a season. And in those songs, um, Santa brings gifts to the children. And, you know, of course, who doesn't love that idea? So, right. Um, right, right. yeah, again, I thought that was really sweet. And I said, oh, you know, and, and there's two approaches when a kid has a story like that as a parent you feel protective of you know are they going to get disappointed when Santa's not there do I need to explain this and then the other then the other reality the realization is they're just making up a story and it's okay to go there with them and have an imaginative storyline about it they're not going to be you know as long as you don't say oh yeah Santa's going to be at your birthday well, and then it's like, you better have somebody dress up in a suit. But, um, you know, to be able to just say, oh, you know, what would that be like? Um, you know, or, you know, just to kind of like talk with them about it. Oh, yeah, that's what you wish. Like, that's no big deal. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I think it's really funny and sweet that she <laughs> wanted Santa to attend. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again so much for recording, Shauna. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. If you made it with us this far, please, oh, please leave us a review or a rating, and we'll see you next time.